and welcome to the Innovative Teaching Podcast. I know it's been a little while since I posted a podcast. Um, I got lazy and had really not planned on doing more podcasts. And I had two people in one day say, when's the next podcast? So here I am. I will keep the podcast going because there is an interest. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, Another thing I'd like to mention is I'm going to just change in the goal of the podcast slightly because it's not what it started out as, but it's still a very similar topic for the title. I'm going to change it to exploring non-obvious connections in the world with a goal of engineering unique learning experiences. So the reason I say that is a lot of times the podcast is kind of my ramblings, my thoughts, my observation. So it's not necessarily true innovation. It's more of what am I seeing? What am I thinking? And the innovation is really you guys, the listeners, you know, how you take the information that I share and put out there for you. I have had faculty in the past that tell me they come to my workshops just to see what I will do. So I think a lot of it is that people, they they know I make connections that other people don't see. There are those non-obvious connections. And there are often connections across industries or, you know, the ideas come from different industries or tools. So that's why I'm just changing it up a little bit because it really is me rambling. And you guys, you know, I say rambling. It's me exploring, playing with ideas, trying things out, uh, failing, sharing those experiences with you guys. And then you taking that information to your own environment, your own institutions, your own classroom, and hopefully expanding upon it. So with that said, I will jump into these are some things I've been observing just in my small world, right? So I'm at an institution that is part of a bigger district, and there's 10 colleges. So there's some observations that I'm seeing just individually, you know, like at our own institution, and then things I'm seeing even outside of our district, just um, among institutions. One of those is it really truly is a time of innovation in higher education. I think K-12 probably also, I'm not quite as connected with what's going on there right now, but community colleges, I'd say universities too, there's a lot of opportunities for teachers and faculty to try something new. So if you've had an idea that you've been cooking in your brain for years and years and years, you haven't had the confidence or the extra energy to try it out or to sell it to somebody or make it happen, now's probably a great time to find the extra energy and the time to put the idea out there. Now, the one thing I've noticed with our district, I guess where I teach or the college is there's no money, but at the same time, there's a lot of money. What I mean by that, it's like, as far as 
the traditional source of money coming into the college, you know, when you look at property tax or student tuition, enrollment is still hurting, enrollment's down. So they're in the base budget of like every department is cut, we're getting ready to do another cut. So it's just like cut, cut, no money, no money, no money. But then I get told today, there's a pot of money, like $20 million that the campus has to use to work with. I see that there's um, other money, like there's a lot of grant money out there right now, or just partnership type money collaborations. So if you get told there's no money, the, you're, they're probably right. There's no money in the base budget, but there is money everywhere. And there's a lot of money. There's a lot of um, money from the government that's been handed out. I say handed out. It's been um, directed for certain, you know, uh, projects or goals. So just ask around, look around. There's money. Uh, I think there... We're, I, so I'm part of a couple different projects where we're trying to submit a grant, proposing to try to get part of the money that's already available, and then collaborating and looking on the outside to actually monetize and create a money source. So that leads me into the next topic that I'm seeing a lot of right now, and that's monetizing programs like nine credit programs to bring resources into the institution. Now, you have your traditional credit classes, which is student tuition, but then we have programs that expand out and do training for industry, training for organizations, community groups, and that money is brought back into the college. So it, it is processed differently, it's a different account, but the money is brought in and then that money is kept so the program can continue to grow and do what they do. That We're seeing that across the board. There's a lot of proposals going on on our campus right now on how to monetize that. Now, the one thing I want you to think about, okay, so K-12, you could do the same thing, right? If your teachers start getting together, I know, I know when I taught in the middle school, I was it, like every week I was amazed by the talent that our teachers brought to that school. Everyone taught their subject area, but every single one of those middle school teachers had talent outside of the area that they taught. I taught art in the middle school and I felt like the best artist in the building was not me. It was a science teacher down the hall because he just did this amazing artwork on the uh, wall in the hallway of course, my talent wasn't painting murals on the wall. You know, I was more of a color pencil on um, mixed media on paper. So that was more of my style of art or photography. But when it came to painting a mural on the wall, his work was beautiful. So leverage the talent that you have. If you want to make money for your school, get together, run workshops, run competitions, challenges for the community, you know, everyone pays an entry fee or I proposed an idea. My idea got shut down, but my idea was to create a series of workshops and programs or courses, even like online courses, webinars, 
And it was up to the participant as to what they paid. So it would be by donation. And I've seen some other people in the academic community do this. I know there's one workshop, and I'm sorry, I can't think of the fellow's name. But it was donation based on what you were able to give. So you can run a workshop, just like writing a resume. Any high school could do that. Offer a service to the community. You come in for, I don't know, two hours, four hour workshop, and you're going to walk out with a completed resume. You donate what you think it was worth to your resume. Or, hey, once you get a job and you, you know, you've landed the dream job or a job, donate back or come back in and actually help run the workshop. So there's a way you can do that too. Now, the other thing I would like to encourage all teachers, all faculty to explore. Now, this depends on your perspective and your goals in life, right? But also look at monetizing your own expertise outside of your institution, okay? Because there are tons of personalized learning experiences all the way from retreats to workshops, uh, coaching, mentoring. There's a lot of opportunity. And I know with K-12, I follow a couple of groups on Facebook that like once a month that I get on Facebook. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm not on there much at all. But they're really discouraged by the current environment of K-12 teaching and looking for ways to get out of the traditional classroom. One way you can do that is by monetizing your expertise. And like I said, that, that can be everything from, you know, selling uh, digital textbooks that you create or handouts, you know, worksheets, retreats, webinars. There's so many options. I will tell you it's not easy and it's time consuming. But if you don't like your job and you're kind of stuck and you're not quite sure where, where to go, it's definitely worth a try to explore and put something out there. I listened to a podcast. It was by um, a guy that does learning management systems within the, um, oh, I can't think of it. Anyways, he, he over, he, teaches people how to use learning management systems to make money. And it, it takes a while because the guest speaker was saying that it would take about, I think, three months, one to three months to get like your first three clients because his model was you set it up, you want to get your first three paying customers within about three months. And then from there, you just build. And every time, you should almost double your numbers. And that was designing a course to sell online. But just think about your niche areas and consider that. Once again, you know, you could be making money for your institution or you could start up your own LLC and make the money for yourself and your family and your goals. Either one's fine. You might do both, right? Because you could do something locally at your institution, but then monetize it out to the world. So think about that, explore it. There's tons of people doing it. So all you have to do is hop on the internet and start looking and you'll find many, many examples. Okay, another thing I was told along this line is that certifications in industry is not that big of a deal now like it used to be. So 
I'm seeing or hearing that college degrees aren't valued as much as they used to be. Now, that is specific to field, but I'm looking at more of career and technical, kind of the, that industry, where they're not as concerned with the college degree. But I was told that certifications aren't that big of a deal now either. Once again, depends on the industry, depends on location. So it's not across the board, but that is starting to pop up. And I think that comes down to they're looking for what do you know? You know, what have you learned? You know, the digital badges are still out there. That's still growing. And that's helping to demonstrate the knowledge that people have gained, especially if those badges are connected with industry certifications and skills or, you know, just skills in general. So look into that or keep that on your radar. There may be other ways to go about that because a lot of it is getting students experience to put on their resume and then the students being able to talk about those experiences. And is that experiences in the classroom that you create? Is it partnerships with industry? Is it like an internship? Is it a field trip? I don't know. Those, those are all things to, to explore and consider while you uh, keep an eye on that. Now, with the, I was saying time of innovation, I'm finding faculty are much more open to other ideas. So gamification is has popped back up. And that's one thing where, you know, I feel like a lot of teachers, either they kind of like it or they don't. There's not like much in between. But there's, I'm seeing an increase in it. In the case that I'm working with right now, it's for retention in a math class. It, math, you know, people struggle. And if it's in the online format, they're dropping pretty fast or there's a high percentage of students that don't make it through the semester. So we're exploring the gamification, specifically quest-based, along with the digital badging, you know, kind of weaving the badges into the quest-based environment around math in order to try to keep students in the course so that they won't drop. I will let you know how that goes. We're in proposal stage of kind of writing that out. What is this going to look like? Who's involved? What do we want the game theme or story to be? So we're still in the very beginning stages. Uh, along with that, let's see. I'll, I'll go with personalized learning. So I think personalized learning, unique learning opportunities, it ties back into what I just mentioned with uh, digital badges and certifications that the, the certifications aren't holding as much weight, just like college degrees as they have in the past. Like I said, that's not across the board. So you got to pay attention to your field, your location, your area, because it varies. But I think what is trending is personalized learning and those unique learning opportunities that build skills and gives them an experience and a way to demonstrate their knowledge that other students don't have. And that might be within a actual college 
degree program, or it might be stuff that students are doing on their own completely outside of the institutions. So I don't know if that's something as teachers, faculty, we want to explore. Do we try to create those experiences? Do we try to learn about those type of experiences and connect students? I know there was an NSF grant. Uh, a couple of teachers, I, I discussed it with a couple people and they decided they didn't want to do it, but it was on informal learning. And I think that's where this comes in because it was science in informal learning environments and how to expand beyond that, capture that, give students credit for that. I would have loved that grant, but I was also not going to do it on my own. And the faculty and teachers I talked to decided not now, they didn't want to do it. So that grant's out there, I think it's due January. So if you're a very fast grant writer, it can pull it all together really, really fast. The deadline's in January. And it's a very high one. I think you can get up to $5 million on it. So it's a, but it's an NSF grant for science informal learning. So if you look that one up, it's there and you can have a lot of fun with that one. Finally, uh, virtual reality keeps coming up, coming up, coming up. So we're going all in on that one, I believe. Trying to, um, you know, what, what is that? What would that look like for a community college, basically? Do we want a studio where students can go in and use the technology for career development? Do we actually want a studio where we can develop the VR experiences? And that's kind of where we're at right now. I know we're looking at, we're always looking at software and virtual VR, AR, everything that can give students experiences that will enhance what they're learning in the classroom. So we're, I'm always looking for that. But beyond that, there's an interest to, to expand it and make it more available to students. I don't know, do, I'm wondering, do any of you have experience with that? A lot of times when I look up what other institutions are doing on that, they have a lab or, yeah, they have a VR lab, I'll say, and they'll show how they've done like one specific program or they collaborate it with a development company and produce like one program. But I know it's being used a lot for career skills, you know, the career and technical areas for the high risk training. So I want to get a little bit more into that just see what's working. I'm really curious about what's working because you, you can find the software and yeah, it looks neat, but what's the actual return on investment and how are students benefiting from it? Okay, I think that's about it. Uh, the other thing I feel like is not, it's not trending at my institution at all. At least I'm not seeing it. Um, it's the health and wellness of people. Like we have a health wellness challenge kind of going on with the campus right now. I completely forgot about it, right? I signed up and I was going to, you know, I, I, I do health and wellness all the time, but I didn't actually record any of my uh, activities and what I've been doing. But I feel like in the world in general, health and wellness is coming up more and more. 
And I think there's a lot of people, I want to say there's a lot of people suffering, but that's perception, right? Suffering to one may not be suffering to another one. But I think there's a lot of room to help students be well, whatever that might mean. I'm, I'm not a health wellness expert as far as what does that look like for a campus? What does that look like for another person or student? But I know I've done a deep dive. And the more I learn about my own wellness, the more I understand how complex it is and how many variables impact our health and wellness. It's very, very complicated. And there's stuff I'm learning now, you know, at 53, I'm just learning this information. I wish someone had told me at, you know, 19, that I could be better, (laughs) taking better care of my body and my environment and what I'm exposing myself to. So I think about that with students. And in general, I don't, because th- I'm thinking about my own education, right? I've, I've went everywhere from bachelor, master's to PhD, and I, I haven't gotten this health and wellness that's like the bare minimum of what you should know to stay healthy. Uh, it, so that, that doesn't really apply to my day job. It's not what I do, but as I go down that journey myself, I'm constantly wondering how can we better help our students or support our students with their health and wellness. And I, you know, some of it's just basic, just work with them, talk with them, give them flexibility when they need it, when someone's sick or, you know, their, their child's sick, they're sick, or they have to take time off and travel. You know, some of it's pretty easy, but then a lot of it goes way beyond that. You know, when we just look at what are we putting into our bodies and what's the environment around us, even when you're sitting in class, like what what's in the environment that students are being exposed to the whole time they're sitting there or if they're out in the field doing an internship, what you know, there's safety, but there's still environmental things that they could be exposed to that you don't even think about. But that's just another thought to explore. And maybe there's some health and wellness teachers out there where you're on top of this. And you completely understand. So I would love to learn from you. Maybe that's uh, something we need to do is start getting people together, get that learning community, learning community or uh, scholarship of teaching and learning. And how can we uh, do all this? I know, I think just this week, I've had two things come across about globalizing the curriculum. Um, which is great because there's a lot of opportunities there. There is pros and cons, right? There's discussions on both sides of is that good or bad. But why couldn't we do like, I don't want to say, uh, what would be the right word? It, the health and wellness. Like how do you do something with health and wellness that's kind of across the curriculum also or that's kind of weaved in where students can explore and discover for themselves what that means. Because with health and wellness, as you know, or as I have learned, every single body is different. So whatever you do with one body will not work. Um, My latest thing is eating according to my genes. So I just got the reports done or according to my genetics. And I've completely changed how I eat just based on what I learned around all of my genes that were 
working slow or working too fast. So some of them I have to try to eat in order to speed some up and slow others down as far as, you know, how they're working. So it it's an interesting journey. And I think it's definitely something we should teach students of how to be aware of their own health and what impacts them. And that's emotional, mental, you know, the, the whole, the whole package. Okay, well, that is my ramblings for this week and what I've been seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm observing. What are you seeing in your corner of the world? Like what's happening with education? What's happening with you as far as a teacher? Um, what's a health and wellness? Like how, how are you guys doing? How are your students doing? Feel free to go in to the podcast and you can leave com- comments on Spotify and any voice messages that you leave. I would love to share them into the podcast if you're okay with that. If you would just like to leave a message, that's fine too. And feel free to make comments. Make sure you subscribe. I'll keep the podcast going. I'll probably do like one a month um, just because it takes time. But yeah, share, share. Let's hear what's going on in your corner of the world. And I will not do another podcast before Thanksgiving. So if you practice Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. And thank you. I am very grateful for you listening to my podcast and subscribing and encouraging me, encouraging me to keep it going when I'm like, eh, I don't want to do it anymore. But I actually enjoy doing it. It's just that, you know, one more thing on my list that I haven't had time to do. So anyways, thank you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Love and hug your family, your dog, your kids, whoever you're allowed to hug. (laughs) Hug and be grateful that they're in your lives. All right, you guys have a great one. Thank you.